Hello, VCC family and friends. This is Minister Angela Bates. Looking forward to taking another journey with you in God's word today. Very excited about the word that God has given. I first give honor to God who is the head of my life and to Pastor Granara McClendon and Lady Elise McClendon and all of my friends and family at VCC. The title of today's message is The Tree Yielding Fruit. And our text scriptures will come from Genesis 1 verses 11 through 12. Again, that's Genesis 1 verses 11 through 12. And we'll be talking about the tree yielding fruit. Whenever I'm talking to one of my spiritual daughters and she's telling me about something that is foolish, she says, Mom, make it make sense to me. So in her words, I'm going to attempt to make this text make sense to you as God made it to me. Amen. Father, we thank you for the proving of your word. And we invoke the teaching of the Holy Spirit to make it all make sense to us. Lord, I pray that this word will minister to these, your people, as it has truly ministered to me. I thank you for the divine revelation of your word. May it infiltrate our hearts and permeate our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning when the earth was formed in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, which simply means in the beginning. So if you will, turn with me to your text scriptures. And let us begin reading Genesis 1, 11 and 12. And it reads, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Glory to God. I'm embarking upon a new journey of reading the Bible in chronological order, which simply means, means to read the Bible in the order that the events occurred. And um, one thing about it, no matter which way you read the Bible, the story will always begin and end the same with God being God in the beginning and in the end. Amen. And he is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Glory to God. Let this church say amen. <laughs> Glory to God and amen again. When I began this journey of reading the Bible chronologically, I shared with another friend what God placed upon my heart. And she said she had been wanting to read it that way too and asked, how was I doing mine? Did I have a chronological Bible? I shared with her the plan that I found online and told her I was simply following it. I told her I was excited about someone sharing this journey with me so I could be held accountable. Then she suggested that we get together every so often to call and discuss, and I said I was thinking the same thing. But God quickly set both of us straight within the first week. <laughs> we both quickly realized, first of all, because of the way we study, we couldn't just read chapters every day and stay on track with the plan. 
you know, because we write, we study, we ponder. So the readings for day one may turn into two days of study for us. We also found that we weren't going to complete the plan in a year, nor were we studying at the same pace. So we quickly discovered this was a task that, that this was not, if you will, a task that required study partners. She was getting frustrated trying to follow the plan, and I was just flat out not following the plan. On day two, I was still on day one. <laughs> Glory to God. God taught both of us that you can't always take somebody with you on every leg of your journey. You know, we women are bad about that. We always want to get somebody to go with us, even if we run into the store. Girl, come on, run to the store with me. We're just bad about partnering up, you know. So there's a difference in being told to do something versus you just wanting to do something. Remember, I said God told me to do what I was doing. And she stated that she wanted to do this. She had been wanting to do the same thing. So what I'm saying here is there's a difference in being told to do something versus you just wanting to do something. A parent can tell a child to do their chores. A child can want to go outside and play instead. Things will work out a whole lot smoother for their child if they do as they are told and not as they want it, if you catch my drift. Amen. So things didn't go smooth for us because we weren't necessarily following everything that we were told to do. You know, we were mixing it up with what we wanted to do. Again, that's another message for another day, but I just wanted to share that with you guys. But in the midst of my doing my chronological study, this message leaped off the pages at me, and I said, ooh, I'm going to preach that one day. So I thank God for Pastor Grenard for giving me the opportunity to birth this word out of my belly. May God forever bless him and his beautiful family. Now, Genesis chapter 1 is talking about the creation. When God created the earth, we know that in the beginning the earth was without form, but the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and the earth was created in six days. Day one, God created day and night. Day two, he created the heavens. He separated waters above from waters below, creating rain and clouds. Day three, he created the earth and the seas. Day four, he put lights in the firmaments or the heavens, if you will. The Hebrew word for heavens is Shemayim. And these were created, he put the lights in the Shemayim, if you will, for signs, seasons, days, and years. Day five, God created sea animals and fowl of the earth. Day six, he created animals, creatures, and man. And of course, we know on the seventh day, God rested. So let's back up to our text scriptures. Verse 11 says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And verse 12 says, And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after its kind, his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. When I read those words leaped off the page to me when I read that passage. The words, the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. 
God's pattern of fruit bearing seed and creating fruit of his own kind was demonstrated more than once in the Bible from the beginning when God created the earth in Genesis 1:26, when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness to Jesus when he went to the cross. Glory to God. Now let's go deeper as we venture to make it make sense. In Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 27, God created man and woman. And you can turn there to uh, Genesis 26 through 27. And, And let's look here at verse 28. And it says, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The Amplified Bible says, subdue it using all the vast resources in the service of God and man. Using all the vast resources in the service of God and man. Now notice the instructions he gave to Adam and Eve. He said to be fruitful and multiply. An author by the name of Zachary Garris defines this as a biblical theology of offspring. He says Adam and Eve were to fill the earth with godly offspring and glorified God through their rule on the earth. We were created to glorify God. Our lives, saints, should glorify God. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 8 verses 5 through 9 says, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6 says, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Adam and Eve were to populate the earth. Although Adam and Eve may have raised godly children, their children, just like ours, didn't always act in a godly fashion. We know the story of how Cain became so so consumed with jealousy because God received Abel's offering and not Cain's that he killed his brother Abel. Abel gave God a tenth of what he had. He honored covenant with God. Cain just gave something to God to say he did what he said, but he didn't give his best to God. He didn't give from the right heart or with the right motive. Second Corinthians nine verse seven in the Amplified says, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without, he can't do without it, a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. If your heart is not right or you've, you're giving for the wrong reasons, you might as well have, you might as well just keep that seed because here scripture tells us God can do without that. But can you do without God? I think so. I don't think so. I don't think we can do without God. So we should always give, be prompt to give 
and do it cheerfully. I didn't mean to take that side journey, but I trust somebody to that uh, somebody needed to hear that or to be reminded of that. Amen. So Adam and Eve were instructed to be fruitful and multiply to populate the earth. They were also told to fill the earth or to replenish the earth. Now, the King James Version was completed around 1611. So replenish didn't mean back then what it means now. Replenish now means to fill again because you have the prefix there, re, which means to do again. So to replenish now means to fill again. Well, it couldn't have meant that back then because Adam and Eve were the first humans. So so there was nothing to feel again when it had never existed before them. People had never existed before them. So their job was to feel or to populate the earth. They were to reproduce and populate the earth. He also said, God also told them and to subdue it. Subdue means to overcome or quiet or being under uh, control or of a feeling or person. It means to overcome or to quieten or being under control of a feeling or person. And we saw an example of that happen in our nation just over a week ago when some people with stinking thinking tried to subdue our capital in America. But no weapon formed against us shall prosper. God said it, and I wholeheartedly believe it. I don't care what it looks like. God is still in control of our lives. If God is the head of your life, he controls what goes on in your life. I'll say that again. Hallelujah. If God is the head of your life, he controls what goes on in your life. He won't let anything harm you when you're his and he is yours. God will keep you through it all. Amen. Glory to God. The Hebrew word for subdue is kabosh. That's K-A-B-A-S-H, which means to bring into bondage. And dominion comes from the Hebrew word rada, which means to rule over or dominate. That's what God gave man, rule or dominion over the earth. Man's job was to manage earth for God. God created it and gave it to man to run for him, just like CEOs do today in corporate America. Company owners hire CEOs, chief executive officers, and COOs, chief operating officers, to run their companies for them. Even though the company was their creation, they hire others to run it for them. Good God Almighty. You see how God's pattern rings true even in our everyday lives? Glory to God. Woo, bless your name. Lord, we thank you. So a woman and a man come together. Man plants a seed in woman and they procreate another being of their own kind. You know, sometimes I ask my husband if he's talked to his seed. It's a metaphor. I'm referring to our daughter. So I say, have you talked to your seed today? Because man plants a seed in woman and they procreate another being of their own kind. So check this out. We're still talking about the tree yielding fruit. Jesus went to the cross. And was planted into the earth. 
when they dropped that huge cross in the ground with Jesus, the seed of Abraham, nailed to it. Follow me now. Jesus, the seed of Abraham. Let's break that on down even further. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Let's take a look at that. And the scripture reads, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. He was talking about what was to come by way of Christ Jesus. And if you go over to Matthew chapter 1 and look at verses 1 through 16, we won't read all of them there, but you can go back and look at it in your own spare time. The genealogy of Jesus is outlined here. And in verse 1, it says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, verse 2 says, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Once you get through all the begats, you see in verse 16, and it says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. They made very clear who they were talking about there. So when you see the seed, capital S, of Abraham, that's who it all started with. It's speaking of Christ. When it's lowercase s seed or plural seeds, it's speaking of us, the joint heirs. Glory to God. Galatians 3.16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed, lowercase seed, were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is of Christ. Now the Amplified says, Now the promises or the covenants agreements were decreed and made to Abraham and his seed, capital S, his offspring, his heir, we're talking about Jesus Christ. He, God, does not say, and to seeds, lowercase s, descendants, heirs, as if referring to many persons, but he said, and to your seed, your descendant, your heir, capital, obviously referring to one individual who is none other than Christ the Messiah. Glory to God. Christ the Messiah. So Galatians 3.16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed. Glory to God. I, I need to correct that. That's capital S. His seed were the promises made. He saith not. And to seeds, lowercase s, as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, lowercase s, and heirs according to the promise outlined in Genesis 12, 3. So there is 
seed of Abraham, who is Christ, and there is seed, lowercase s, or seeds of Abraham, who are those who are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, which is you and I. I hope I made that clear to you all. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. Verse 12 says, And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit after his kind. The grass represents the harvest. We are the harvest of Jesus. Jesus went to the cross at Calvary and was planted into the earth and yielded a return of recreation of himself in the form of believers. Jesus is the tree, or the vine, if you will, and we are the branches, as discussed in John 15, 5. He is the tree, or the vine, from which flows the source of life for his branches, which are we the people. We continue to bear fruit by planting seeds and creating disciples of others. We then are becoming more like him. I said we then are becoming more like him after his kind, as he said in Genesis 1.26. We can see God's pattern all throughout the scriptures where God commands his people to reproduce and then rule over the land he gives them. He did it with Adam and Eve. He did it with Abraham and others in the Bible. And he's doing the same thing with us today in different areas, areas of our lives. We are supposed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And you can start in one area by planting seeds of love, just like God did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It must come from you first. It's already in you. Now it needs to come from you by you planting it into the lives of others. The more seeds of love you plant, the bigger the return of the harvest will be to you. The more we sow it, the more the earth will become filled with it. The more the earth is filled with it, the more hearts will be subdued or captured by it. Oh, thank you, God. It rings true more now than ever. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It may not always come from the same people you sold into, but rest assured it will come back to you one way or the other because God will see to it that it does. Is your tree yielding fruit? And if so, is, is it yielding good fruit or bad fruit? You know, a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. Luke six forty three through 45, and you can turn there if you will. And it reads, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither do, doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. 44 says, for every tree is known by his own fruit. Some trees bear no fruit at all. Some are corrupt like the fig tree Jesus spoke of in a parable. In Luke 13 verses 6 through 9. Verse 6 says, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. 
Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if it not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. They had been working on that tree for three years. And the man told the vine dresser to cut it down because it wasn't bearing fruit. But the vine dresser asked the man to give him one more year. He was going to work on it. And then after that year, still, if it still bore no fruit, he would cut it down. Now, does that sound familiar? We're going about our daily lives producing no fruit. But, in, but Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us daily saying give them one more chance God this tree in this parable is representing a believer who is not going out trying to recruit others or God is not being glorified in their lives and scripture tells us if a tree is not bearing fruit it may as well be cut down because it is of no use to God now I'm not saying God is going to kill you right where you stand but you will not live a glory-filled life if your life is void of you giving God glory. Glory to God, I'll say that again. You will not live a glory-filled life if your life is void of you giving God glory. Is your tree yielding fruit? Glory to God. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to dig deeper into your word. And I pray that something was said that was thought provoking enough that it will prompt action from us. In times like these, not only do we need a savior, but we need to tell others who don't know you about a savior. One who can save them from anything, even from themselves. And Father, today we reinstate our commitment to be trees yielding fruit and embark upon a greater journey of winning more souls to Christ. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray this prayer and we say amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're listening to this message and you're not saved, but you want to be, then confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead because Christ is the only true and risen King. And if you do that, then the scripture tells us that you are saved. Get in a good church home so that you can continue your spiritual growth and you can yield good fruit. Amen. Don't forget to sow your tithe and offerings in whatever capacity you usually do uh, via mail or cash app. And we thank you for all that you do. God be with you until we meet again.